Um, the only thing I'd ask you guys not to address is one, how chat my lips are, and two, because um, I don't know what happened. Oh, well, let's, listen, I, I don't have any control over what the commenters say for the video clip I pull, but uh, we'll do our best. I um, well, uh, 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 welcome to the downside. My name is Gio Marco Sarezi. I'm here with my co-host Russell Daniels over Zoom from his parents' Hello, house. Hello, from good? my mom's TV room. Yes. And uh, yeah. uh, well, we're doing this over Zoom because uh, Omicron is spreading. And we're here with stand-up comedian, uh, writer, uh, solo performer, Alex Edelman. Hey, how's it going? Where are you? I'm in New York, but I'm literally like, I've packed for Boston because I'm going to Boston today um, for like, you know. And is that is this a trip you look forward to? I wasn't going. I, my show, my show has. By the time this comes out, it's not announced right now, but in two hours, it's getting announced. My solo show, we're postponing it a month, or we're postponing the rest of the shows for a month because of um, the Omicron. So my parents were like, "Now you have no excuse not to come home for you know." Well, for the holiday. This is the downside. One, two, three. Downside. You're listening to The Downside, the Downside. with John Marco Cerezi. What a perfect way to, to go into The Downside. Do me a favor, Alex, can you just back up slightly just so your head isn't cut off? That's good. Perfect. You just, I, I, you know, I can see your pores. Uh, well, thank you. Well, that's, that's a, would you say that uh, of everyone in the world, you've been most negatively impacted by coronavirus? You know, that is what I was telling, uh, that's what I was telling uh, my my uh, my therapist and he's like yeah absolutely i'm i'm definitely you know i'm basically a frontline worker you know like <laughs> i'm basically the one who's suffered the most out of anybody well i was so bummed i was gonna see your show last night uh my my girlfriend saw your show on sunday and uh then yesterday i got that i got that uh that message it was going to be canceled uh what a fucking nightmare it does. It does suck. It is on the spectrum of things to suck. Not so bad because it's getting. Uh, thank God, it's getting rescheduled. So like, it'll be up in January. And uh, hello. Okay. Our first break in. in that would be fun. That would definitely be the clip if you got broken into. Literally, my door just opened a little bit, so I don't know what uh, what it what is. What kind of where are you staying in a in a hotel or? No, no, no. This is my. I have an apartment here. Also, I have an apartment here, and then and then uh, and then like, let me just see. If, if, nope, nobody. I'm sorry, I was no just, one. Was your door unlocked? My door was unlocked. Was, yeah, are because you crazy? I, I took out the trash right before this. It doesn't look out on the street. I'm in like a. I'm in like a little complex. Do you have so, a doorman? Uh, yes. Oh, very jealous. Oh. Tova, I was so I, I'm getting a lot of new furniture for the podcast studio, and I have to time it because everything gets stolen at my place. So I have to like look at the shipping window, and if I'm out of town at any point in that window, I can't do it. So I, I brought up with Tova. I was like, you know, I, it's so stressful. It's so annoying. What do we do? And she was like, well, when we move to uh, a new place with the doorman together, and Tova's just skipped. The whole discussion about moving in together, it's just a, a fact. It's kind of That's what like, happened to me and my girlfriend in LA. She just, <laughs> there was no, she just moved in. One day I looked up and there were twice as many shoes. And I was like, 
do we live together? And she's like, yeah, we live together. I was like, are you going to start paying? Yeah. Rent? No, no, I'm not going to start paying. Rent. Oh, well, you know, she's had a tough year financially. I'm sure I, uh, <laughs> I uh, uh, so I I we will get to all your downsides in a second. I did want to uh, start with something, and I think you will relate to it. I'm not going to say the club that I performed at this past weekend, but I'm going to message it to you, and you tell me if you've worked it because you probably had. Just wait one second. I'm so have you have oh. you worked that club before? I have. It's a Coke den that also doubles as a club. Yes. Wait, yes. John Marco, send it to me. I, I, well, I, you know where I was. You know where I was this weekend. You uh, were, you I, oh, you were I'm wrong. happy okay. for, for you to disclose the zip code. I will say that this is one of the first clubs I ever performed at. I was 17 years old, and I got off stage, and someone said, good set, kid, and handed me a truly enormous amount of cocaine in a sandwich bag. Not like a little button bag, like a sandwich, like a Ziploc sandwich bag. And I said, what is this? And he went, come on. That sounds, that sounds like you were paid way more than I was. Yeah. Maybe in a different that, currency. It was for free? It was, it was for free. I handed it back to him and he went, okay. And then he called me a word that I won't repeat on a podcast, but he. Oh God. The, the, like, the F word, okay. I assume. There's another comic trying to ingratiate himself. I uh, that is incredible. So I can't imagine doing it at 17. Listen, I've I've worked enough. I've worked enough working at LOL in New York. Press prepared me for that. But at 17, that would have swallowed me alive. That club. Uh, that yeah. so so it's basically at least this one. I know it's moved places, but I think this is the same place. It was it was like a it turns into a club. A nightclub or something. I was yeah. told uh, end at nine thirty sharp. Don't do a minute before, and if you do a minute after, I heard sometimes the DJ will just start playing music, no matter where you are in the show, in the middle of a joke. So I was like, for the last five minutes, yeah. I was basically looking at my phone, timing it to be exact. Um, I get there, uh, security checks my bag, which I found weird as the comedian, uh, but fine, whatever. I. Uh, no drink. I was. I didn't get a free drink. I asked for a seltzer. They said you got to pay full price. I don't think I'm too much of a princess, but that is a that's a big no no. You can't give me a drink. Um, a seltzer? A, not even a seltzer. Full price that's for the seltzer. Wild. And, wait, 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 wait. Did you say to take on stage with me? I did. Oh, I I pulled all. I said I'm the comedian. Was it a was it from the gun seltzer or a bottle of seltzer? Well, I'll never know because I was I, I didn't pay for it, so I just took the free water already out, which is always makes me uncomfortable when there's just water out on a tray. Uh, so already oh, feeling a little bit uh, a little disrespected, um, and uh, I I go on, and the security guard middle of the show. Starts well, I doing. Know, by the way. I know the security guard you're talking about. Yeah, there's there's two. I had one uh, one on one at one on the other. Uh, the one you're thinking of is he a black man or a white man? <laughs> I know both of them. Okay. Well, so this was the white man. Yeah. This was the white man, and he was uh, uh middle of the set. He starts doing like a security sweep, like through the audience, like very slow with a flashlight, looking under people's chairs. By the way, he had done a security check of everyone's bag. Before the show, but he's doing a second round, middle of the set, 
And so I joke. I, I say, you know, something along the lines of like, oh, what are you looking for? A, a bomb or something? And he comes, he, he like sees me, he comes to the side of the stage and he gestures to me like this. I'm, I'm in the middle of my set. So I say to the audience, uh, excuse me one second. I go to the side and I say, is everything okay? And he whispers, I'm looking for weapons. And then I go back to the audience. I don't handle it well. I'm very thrown off. And in fact, because I always record my sets, I have the audio here. We'll see if it can make sense of what I just told you. No bombs. Good. Good. Thank God. Now, if he had said only the one on stage, that would have been a good response. Next comedian, though. What were you looking for? Walks around. Oh. Are you talking to me? What's wrong? I think about weapons. Oh, look, okay, got it. Okay. He was, uh, I think he whispered it, so I'm not supposed to say it. <laughs> but it looks like we're all safe for right now. Didn't that feel good? That was a nice TSA sweep. You're like, okay, if there's any bombs this size, I think we got them out of the way. You handled that very well. Oh, that's very kind. I, I was, I was, I was thrown. Wait, was there something, did something happen to the theater where they thought that there would be weapon? Like, was there any threat of I weapons? Think, or is that I think he's like approaching it like you would a nightclub where I guess you have to do a lot of security sweeps throughout the night. But I was like, you checked everyone's bag. What? What? And it was one of those, the way he did the security sweep. Look, these servers, the security, they're not paid enough, I'm sure. But, like, you you want them to bend over a little if they're in the front row. You want them to kind of sneak, kind of be quiet. But sometimes, like, this was a security sweep. He was standing full, walking slowly, walking between people. It was a real, uh, 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 it was a real pain in the ass. So, yeah, that's that club. You handled that brilliantly, if I'm being honest with you. Oh, that's very sweet, Alex. What would I you really have done? Do. I think that first of all, I have so I don't want to. I have an equi slightly equivalent situation, which is that I was slightly equivalent. I was in Israel. Uh huh. Uh, I did my last, uh, as many Jews do. I did a semester, uh, not a semester. I did a year between high school and college in Israel. What people call there. Some people fancily call their gap year, but um, Orthodox Jews call their seminary year, their yeshiva year. I did my yeshiva year at a place in the middle of Jerusalem, and I lucked out because this guy, I met this, I immediately Googled like comedy Jerusalem, found a guy doing shows in like the back of an ice cream shop. And he was like, hey, I'm thinking of opening up a comedy club. And I was like, bro, yes, please. Like I will help you open up this comedy club. And the comedy club is called Off the Wall Comedy Basement. Get it? Off the wall. Off the wall. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Still yeah. there. Still there. And the club was um, there was an armed guard every night, Jeremy, and he carried an M16. And you'd pass Jeremy. He'd be out there with his M16. You go, hey, Jeremy. Hey. Then one night, I'm on stage, and there's a kerfuffle on the front. And the kerfuffle was there was a soldier outside arguing with Jeremy. The soldier didn't have his M16. 
And Jeremy wanted to know where his M16 was. He was like, you're walking around. It, this guy's walking around in uniform. And in Israel, I get, and like they got to talking and Jeremy's like, where's your gun? And the guy gave him a fuzzy answer. And in Israel, apparently, they're so strict about gun control that every gun and bullet is registered. And if you lose it, you go to jail for a year. So, like, that's why Israel has an extremely high gun ownership rate, but a very low rate of, like, gun violence and, and like, accidental gun death because everyone in the country. So, like, so, like, I got us. I assume that somebody. So I heard what happened. I was like, oh, man, someone wants to bring a gun in here. And they're like, no, he doesn't have a gun. And someone else was like, don't let him in here without a gun. And I was like, <laughs> what? I was like, you mean don't let him in here with a gun? And they're like, no, he doesn't have a gun. He should be allowed to come in. Like the ar- the argument was over whether or not the soldier had their gun. And like, the, it was basically like, get that guy out of here. Don't let him come back until he has a deadly weapon to kill us all. You know, like it was really. <laughs> that's wow. a very that's a very interesting solution to gun control in a way, or maybe gun or, or shootings where you just make it more accountable, but. You you get mad at people if they don't have guns. That's kind of a compromise. If you, it's actually kind of amazing. I think like obviously Israel, many 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 other issues and like super complicated opinions on like is you know on the country. But this is a Zionist podcast, just so you know. So watch your fucking (laughs) mouth. Well, (laughs) Zionists are like you're huge fans of the Matrix. No, no, no. But like, uh, but like, I do think it's, it's really interesting to be like, okay, everyone in the country is going to be like super trained in guns all the time. No one ever like, like I would hear a story about like this guy one time pointed a gun as a joke at somebody else. And like, that was the horror story. Like, it wasn't that like the guy shot the person. It was like, I heard a guy in. Herzliya once pointed his gun at his friend and everyone's like, that's crazy. Like that would be the story. Like, like, oh God, like, there was a, there was a, do you hear about the school pointing today? That yeah. sounds like a much, <laughs> a much better version. Yeah. But like, Wait, but how do they, how do they, you said they register the bullets too? Like, do they, they, you check out your boxes of bullet. You like sign out wow. your boxes of bullets and stuff like that. So everything's, Everything has to be account. And by the way, I don't think I'm exaggerating. Like it's one of those things. You know how your mind like exaggerates. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Things? Like I don't think I'm exaggerating by much. Like I'm pretty sure that. Like by the way, maybe you don't. If you lose your gun, you don't immediately go to jail for you. But like after a while, like it is a criminal offense. Like I'm yeah. happy to like fact checked on that. But like I heard stories about a guy who lost his gun and went to prison. And like I was like, is this true? And my friend Kobe was like, Yeah, that's. That's what happens here. You lose your gun, you go to jail. You know, like it's a really. Yeah, I think it's like there's for all the schools, they have metal detectors to make sure you're armed yeah. every time you go in. Yeah. Fifth grader comes to like, they're like, you know, Yossi. And he's like, right here. Right here. <laughs> and like, okay. Very good. Trigger discipline. He's like, yep. Trigger. You know, like they're very. Yeah, they're very I, serious. This feels like I, I. It reminds me of uh, it's a little bit different. But Chris Rock, he had a joke a while, a long time ago about how like bullets. He said guns should be legal, but bullets should cost like ten thousand dollars a bullet. So it'd be yeah, like, man, I'm gonna kill you, but I can't afford it right now. 
Um, oh, that's yeah. Right. He went no more innocent bystanders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. I. I I like this. I like this. Um, well, 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 well. Let's go. Speaking of of your Jewishness, you uh, know my my girlfriend, Atova. From way back. From way back, and Tova even told me that she went on a Torah tour. You guys have so many terms I'm learning. Where she like hosted at your house when she was in college, but you weren't there. No, I heard about this later. She was like, I did a thing in Boston, and your parents ho- like Tova and I were part of the same sort of sect of Judaism, which is modern Orthodoxy, and we were one of the. We were both interested in comedy and in college, so. But just so I know, she was Chabad, and you were not. So, Chabad's not really. Chabad's not really a sect. It's sort of like, oh, she maybe would go to Chabad. Chabad is a place, so or I mean, like it is a. Oh, was she? Oh, she was raised in Chabad. I didn't know that. Yes. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, I didn't. I didn't know that about Tova. Oh yeah. Wow, no, I wasn't raised Chabad. I was raised a sort of more, more small batch Orthodox Judaism. That's sort of the Jack Daniels of Orthodox Judaism. <laughs> I was raised sort of the like, um, uh, you know, Knob Creek or High West, uh, you know, like a like also a brand that is sort of well known but doesn't really get good market share outside of a specific area. I think it was so. T- there's so many fucking terms. I'm now going to tell people. I'm like, it's the Jack Daniels. Uh, Judaism, yeah. and they'll be like, well, "What look, the fuck are you talking Chabad. about? Chabad? You got Chabad? You got Jack Daniels, and and uh, secular." Or Russell, who's so outside of this right Listen, now. Listen, I, I was like, I was like Evan Williams. Like I was trying, I I could name like liquors. I was, but I I really have no reference for everything else. I think uh, it's good because I know more about Judaism. You definitely know more about liquors, and I feel like yeah. together we can figure out what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah, my stupid, my stupid goddamn analogy. My stupid liquor analogy that also I'm, is on my mind because I haven't had a drink for three weeks because of my show. You don't. Wow. What, you, because, what does that have to do with the show? Uh, I don't drink when I'm doing a run anymore of shows. Like if I'm doing it- a bunch of I guess my show, my run of shows has been canceled. I could absolutely crack open it. Wait, somehow. tell me about that rule. That's very interesting. You, you, I mean, do you, do you drink and you drink heavily and you're hungover? Or you just, is it a, why? Because when I started doing solo shows, I started doing them at the Edinburgh Festival, and that was just maniacal. Like it was in Edinburgh and Scotland, people drink like it's the, as John Mulaney says, the end of the world. Mm. Like people drink like, what is going Go ahead. You can answer that door. People uh, drink like it's the most, um, oh, hold on. I think this might further burnish my Jewish cred. Um, <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, George. Okay. Thank you. Yes, please. What is this? Uh, no, th- yes, thank you. I can't believe you're not going to lock the door right now. I cannot door believe open. you're not going to lock the door. My friend brought it over and locked the door. This is so stupid Jewish. Someone has delivered me a Bobka as a consolation gift. for. Oh, that's sweet. But also, good. holy shit. This is the most beautiful Bobka I've ever seen. Hold on. Let me see if I can bring it into a light. I feel like an influencer. Now I wish we were doing it in person. Uh, ooh. Wow. Delicious. Wow. What, what kind of babka is that? Is that onions? It's a, ring, it's a ring babka. It's a rose babka. It's this a savory babka. 
What? Is that onions on top? No, it is. I'll tell you right now. Candied orange peel. Ooh. Holy shit. With pistachio <laughs> crumble. And I mean, truly, that is beautiful. Oh, God. That Aesthetic. looks good. I think it's I think it's worth postponing the show just for that. That I will say that my friends on opening night I got popcorns from two different people. On um, I'm like people Berbiglia when the show was extended made a joke in the press release about Bobka. He was like, "I'm like, is my brand Bobka?" And some of your listeners right now are like, "What the fuck is a Bobka?" No, no, no. Well, let me tell you, we've had a lot of Jew. We had a Jewish chef, Jake Cohen, was on the show. And oh, actually- my buddy Jake, who's who's supposed to come to the show tonight as well. Oh. oh, really? Just the coolest man in the world. Like, you know what? I will say one thing about um, I have found in the last year and a half, like a Jewish community that is like thoughtful and fun in the way that I never did before. Honestly. Well, like, it's very really- interesting because I, I was not raised very Jewish. Uh, and uh, being with Tova is kind of like, uh, you know, there's sometimes I'm like, well, I don't belong here. Like I'm Jewish, but there's a feeling of of just like I don't really know these traditions. I think, and I don't know if I'm full of shit, that uh, the the general Jewish uh, negativity and uh, depression and uh, 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 all these things was passed through my Jewish mother. That like she, I was raised Jewish, not religiously, but emotionally, and I do That's think that might be true. Russell, what's your upbringing? White, uh, like no religion. Um, upstate New York, rural, but like it was where, from where a early where upstate New York, uh, near Binghamton, it's a small little town called Bainbridge, New York. Oh, I know. Um, you know, how do you know Bainbridge? Because I spent a lot of time in upstate New York, Bainbridge, Doing what? New York. Where is it's like um, it's near own um, where the Tigers? Play. Yeah, it's where near where the Tigers play. The Tigers, who the Tiger? Who are the Tigers? Tigers are the minor league baseball team in Oneonta. Oh, Russell. Okay, so I don't know. But um, <laughs> that's your people, man. That's your culture. So uh, I, 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 our listeners love talking about Bainbridge. But tell me, uh, <laughs> Boston. So because I when I did the show in, in uh, the show in Boston, I did ask uh, for some of the jokes how many Jews are here. And I don't think there was one. So what's, no. the, what's the Jewish population like in Boston? Me? No, no, I'm kidding. Uh, the Jewish population is pretty as- distinguished, but I don't know that they're going to be found at that specific venue on that night. A lot of them will go to the Wilbur to see Gary Goldman or Mike Birbiglia or, you know, their act specific largely. Like, good, because I'm, I'm, I'm headlining there next week, so that'll be good too. To really? Us. In Boston? No, Alex, I'm not headlining the Wilbur. I don't fucking know, Jim. Like, you're funny, man. I, I just watched your I watched your special last I guess it was literally I think I only watched it about like eight, nine days like last week. Uh really well, that was very that was very nice of you to watch it. I appreciate it. Let me plug it. Shelf life. It's Shelf on, life. Uh, it's YouTube. on Amazon, right it's on YouTube, it head. is fucking everywhere except for Spotify. Spotify has taken it down. The laugh button. Oh, really? Yes. What is going on with that? All, my album is gone from Spotify. I know. As well. I was trying to listen to it. I had already heard it once, but I was trying to listen again. There was some contractual was disputes reason? with. Uh, this is my understanding of it. It's it's with uh, he, what's it called? Giant something giant. They're the spoken giants. Yeah. Uh, and basically, Spotify pays. Normally, they pay a uh, one amount for the song itself, the entity, and then another amount for the writer. 
And with the comedy, they've only been paying for the track itself, and they don't pay a separate fee for the writer. And so Spoken Giants was saying, like, well, the comedian wrote the lyrics. These are lyrics. These is a song. They wrote it. So you have to pay, I think it's double what they have been paying. And Spotify was like, okay, we're just going to remove everything. And that's what so they did. So we're going to pay two cents and we're getting paid two cents instead of one cent for this book? I know. That's what I said. I said I, I probably won't notice the, the difference because I found a nickel on the on the way here. Uh, that's I mean, funny. that Spotify money is pretty bad. Yeah, it's Pandora and Sirius where we get our where we get our where we get our sweet sweet bucks from. Well, I'm thinking about. I've been told by a lot of comedians that the real money is if you do a clean album. Now, I don't know. You curse. I curse in conversation, though. By the way, I curse. It's so funny. I have found a small audience on raw dog comedy. That's that's what Mark Abel is playing. I'm not a raw dog comedian. I just curse once in a while, but I'm like, I should re-record the entire album clean so that we can put it up. Again. That th- I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of doing that. Wait, uh, what is raw dog comedy? It's the serious channel for comedy that is that there's that expletives. you can't swear on. Okay, okay. Yeah, so you know it's it's like people talking about fucking raw dog, and then it cuts to Alex talking about I was a Jew in Boston, and the audience goes, "What the fuck is this?" Hey, how dare you? I mean, that's accurate, <laughs> but yes, I mean, how dare you accurately portray me? Um, um, how dare you perceive me? I will not be perceived. I but. so. When Sorry, was there? A, about my son, but yeah, and you have a twin. You have a Jewish twin. I don't. This is a that's fault not true. Another, no, this <gasps> is the fault of another comedian. Tell me. This, I used to have a joke. AJ and I, when we were growing up, we looked exactly alike. AJ's a year and change younger than me, and I used to say we look like twins in a joke. And then a comic friend of mine, who I won't throw under the bus, said. Just say you're twins. No one gives a shit. It's just cleaner for the joke. So I did it. But then I did it on Conan. And I get letters from oh. twins going, so nice to see a twin. So nice twin representation, like I'm a Sklar brother or something like that. Oh, and I always have to write God. back and go, I'm not a twin. I'm sorry to disappoint you. This oh. twin. It's the biggest that- whopper I've ever told. Let um, me. Well, let me ask you then, because I, I have been thinking about this recently. So... Uh, I talk about my parents' divorce, and my dad has been married twice, but he had, like, these long relationships, so I sometimes imply he's been divorced four times because it felt <laughs> it felt like I had stepmoms. He dated them for six, seven years, and I worry if I tell that joke, people are going to go, like, my parents were divorced four times, too, and I'll have to write them back and be like, sorry, uh... I'm a liar. No, this isn't journalism. Like I, yeah. like the show that I'm doing now is about a meeting of uh, white nationalists. I went to, and oh, I was so you already fin- know Russell. Yeah, <laughs> dude, what a great yeah. <laughs> and I and I and like I was fanatically devoted to the truth about it, and then. I was like, I need to, like, it's getting in the way. So I started, like, combining characters and I moved, like, some people's opinions around and stuff like that to, like, other people to create more distinct characters in in a thing. And then, like, you know, and now I'm afraid 
that one of them is going to show up at my show. But like my therapist, my therapist actually was like, do you really think someone's going to stand up in an audience in New York? Be like, excuse me, I was at that meeting of white nationalists that that guy went to. And he's exaggerating about how, you know, about who said what and, and playing two characters. Yeah. 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 And they're like, excuse me, that's, that's clearly an amalgamation of two people. One of which is a close personal friend of mine who said that horrible thing about black people and Jews. And, you know, like, <laughs> but like it is, but the thing is though, I've changed a bunch of details to like protect myself. You know, like they're yeah. like where the thing is and like and like and like the amount of because I don't want these people ever cropping up in my life. But it's not uh, it's not it's not journalism comedy. It's it's not art. They're, it's it, sorry. It's not it's art. It needs to be crafted. Stories need to be sculpted. The ring of uh, the like. I don't know. I, that's that's how I feel personally. But that being I said, know, I I've, think I agree with you. But I think the way that people approach comedy now, there there does there does come. Uh, I I joke about playing a waiter on Law and Order SVU. I played a waiter in something else. Law and Order is the common show. But people will write me and they'll say, "What episode of Law and Order?" And it's just it's such a it's such a, a deflating conversation to be like, "Oh, that that wasn't true." That's just like it takes the magic. It just feels like a real like. Dude, I moved the. I moved the. There always have to be. I think part of being an effective comic is going. This is how it felt. Sure. You know, like this is how it felt. What it felt like was Law and Order SVO. Like I worked in a chicken restaurant in you know, Manhattan. I like in college for a while, but I changed it to the Penn Station, the KFC in Penn Station. That's so funny. When you said that just now, I was like, "You mean the KFC?" When you yeah, said the, chicken well, restaurant. I worked at a KFC, but it wasn't it wasn't in Penn Station. Yeah, because frankly, you know why? I, do you know why I decided not to work there? That was the first place I wanted to work. I decided not to work there because I had got a job in Penn Station working somewhere else. And then James Smith, the he was a comedian whose name sounds like a fake name, but uh, he's an Australian comedian. And this dude was he was a seller comic when he lived here, and he was mean as fuck to me. He was so mean. And once I saw him going into the KFC in Penn Station, I was like, I can never work there because if this guy sees me working at the Penn Station KFC, I will, you know, get bullied. Uh, more. I will die. But like, I went with that guy to see Eddie Izzard at, you know, at Madison Square Garden. And then as everyone else said goodbye, I took the escalator downstairs to the depressing job I was working at in Penn Station, where they all went to like the boom boom room or something. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm just going to this other place. I'm going to this other happening place. I'm going to go pack boxes. <laughs> It's really what was really, the job? I don't, I don't know if anyone can really pass too much judgment on anyone working at the Penn Station restaurant when they're also choosing to eat in a Penn Station <laughs> restaurant. You know what I mean? Like so who in New York that lives there is like, I'm you know what? I'm gonna stop any anywhere I mean, in Penn Station. I was breaking down boxes in a uh, across from Penn Station, there was a like TV studio. And they had, or like, like, I think like MSG was in there for a while and they have like some other, they have some like other stuff in there, but there was a facilities thing there. A friend of mine, um, Billy was giving us some under the table cash for working in facilities. 
I had a lot of friends who got me like sort of hookup jobs in college. Like um, another friend of mine, I went in, around and bought people's textbooks back from them at the end of the semester with like a little scanner and stuff like that. And I oh, yeah. get cash for like the, by like the weird thing. There was also like some service that would pack college students as belongings away at the end of the semester. I would do around the end of the semester. I'd make like a pretty good amount of money by like wow. taking it. Like I bought, you know, Bowen Yang, Bowen who's on SNL. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I bought Bowen's textbooks from him cause I knew, but like, I remember coming into like Bowen's dorm and like scanning his, you should have held on to those. Those would be worth a little bit more, maybe 1.2 as times as much. <laughs> Textbooks are so expensive. There were a couple of textbooks that are like yeah. legit the Holy Grail where I'd be like, where like if I walked in and saw like, you know, introduction to like, um, what was it called? It was, uh, it was like the wire primers guide to modern music. It was like this shrink wrapped thing edited by this guy, Rob Young. And like, if you found the guide to modern music, which was like really specific and skinny, that was like a very expensive item. And I'd be like, <gasps> I am getting 10% of it. Like that's going to pay for a lot of fucking milkshakes at the Downstein time. But by the way, it was it, going to college in New York was a lot of fun. Where did you guys go to school? Alex, that's not how this works. I ask you questions and you, we, we've talked about our school sucked. I want to hear about NYU. You don't want to talk about Bainbridge? You want to talk about the no, Elmer's Glue? I don't ever want to talk about Bainbridge again. Wow, you know about Elmer's Glue. He yeah. really does know about Bainbridge. I don't want to talk about the wow. Tigers, the glue, the one Dunkin' Donuts there. <laughs> I, that, I, I, you went to NYU, and yeah. I wish I had gone to NYU. That was my, I did not get in. It's uh, the only school I got into. Really? What oh other ones God, did you dude. apply to? I applied to a bunch of like schools that frankly, one of the, one of the admissions offices called me and they're like, you are like, I had a like B average in college. And that's because like I failed, I did awesome in like English and history, but I failed all my Jewish ones, like failed, like got like pass fit. Like I took a bunch of classes, pass fail, like D's, C's in some cases, like, and I applied to like Columbia and like sure. Brown and they called me and they were like, bro, what? Like, what do you mean? What did they call? And they said, please don't there, make us read this whole thing. There was a nice guy who was like, did you leave something out of your application? <laughs> did, did you leave some incredible, did you cure cancer? Cause that's the only way with the rest of this information we have. Are you I getting really, into Brown? <laughs> I did really well on my SAT. Uh, I did really well on my SATs. Uh, that, that helped, or I got like a 22 out of 2,400. They remember they used to great. There was a while where they did the essay thing, but like, Russell, I what did you get on your SATs? Well, what's I the, the original, I don't remember they switched the grading thing. Cause that doesn't even sound like the number 1600. Can, you can, we can still calculate out of 1600, I think. Oh, 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 okay. Um, I think it was, it was not that great. It was in the 1200s. Yeah. That's probably where I was you know? too. Yeah, I did. I did well because of the essay. The essay helped. And then, do you remember what your essay question was? No, no. mine was something about like, is it better to be like consistent or or flimsy or something? And I made the mistake. You're, you're always supposed to you're supposed to pick one and go with it. But I did the mistake where I was like, well, Hitler was pretty consistent, but that's not good. Uh, but this is like I I did the thing where I was like, this is not a good question. And they said, we disagree. It's a very good question. You're not a very good answerer. 
and I did not do well. That is absolutely hilarious. That is so funny to me that you're just like, well, look, let's debate the man. Now is the time for me to find my, that is so funny. That you're like, <laughs> That's how it goes. Cause I did a little bit of SAT coaching. Looking back, I wish I had done a lot of SAT coaching. Uh, it's all bullshit, but I think, you know, you got to play the scam. Yeah. And There's something I'll tell you about the SATs that I did after we get off this podcast, because I can't tell you I'll get in trouble. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> There's not I, a lot of things I can think you could have done with it other than cheat. I got to say, no, like, I, I don't know. Cheat. I didn't cheat on the SAT. It, it doesn't oh. I didn't cheat on my SATs. Okay. Um, one time I had to, for grad school, I had to take, there's like uh, exams. I don't know what they're called, but you basically, I got into grad school and it was for acting. So I was going to get my MFA and the school said, doesn't matter what you get on, on these things. You just have to take this, like whatever the grad school test is, but it's like a test. And I remember I took it and I kept being like, it doesn't matter what I do. So I, I didn't study for it at all. And um, I got to the end and I didn't realize that there was a writing portion. And it was like the next three hours is going to be writing an essay or two essays. And I, I left because I was like, if it doesn't matter and I just have to take this, maybe it'll be OK. And it was OK. No one cared. They did not care at all that I just left did, and didn't did do you any write, of the writing. Did you write one sentence or did you get no, it? No, I did not. Like, nah. I, I, I looked penis, at it. Penis, 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 penis. Yeah, they penis. said two hours or two or three hours. And I was like, absolutely not. Like, I was like, no way. If this doesn't matter. So uh, I just left. The, if the, you could throw penis, that I just imagine a proctor being like, "Well, that is a pretty good summary of the Treaty of Ghent, actually." <laughs> like I do. Uh, well, when I, I took for anybody, I so. took uh, AP Latin in high school, and I was my my language retention has always been terrible. And so, like it was senior year, I stopped caring, and uh, there half the test was essay questions based on this this paragraph in Latin, and I only could recognize one of the words in the whole paragraph and it was shield so i answered these complex questions knowing only that the word shield appeared once and i just made up stories and i tried to use whatever capitalized words were in there i was like hopefully that's a name and uh i would do anything to get that that essay back i should i should have like not gotten credit it was so terrible I kept some of my essays from college and they're here. Like I had one or two incredible professors. College was awesome for me because I would just like try shit. Like literally like I shot music videos for bands on the subway. I like, I actually want like that. I shot a music video for a band on the subway. That was really, really great. And got me a bunch of uh, like, I didn't come up with it. Someone else came up with the idea, but like totally got me a great job and I think it's still wow. on the internet somewhere. Please send it. We'll put it in the links. Was it tough? Cause I filmed, I filmed a couple sketches on the subway in my life and uh, they are always a, a wild ride. They do you are. know what it, do you know what it was about this thing? It was, Oh my God, it's 11 years ago now. God wow. damn. I was in, I was in college and I met these guys on some job and one of them was like, we're, we have this great idea where this is the iPhone had come out and they're like, we're going to play our single on, on instrument apps. Like the drummer will play a drum app. The guitarist will play a guitar app. The vocalist will have like a little microphone thing attached to like an amp underneath and we'll play it on the subway. And they did it. 
and it was awesome. And it went vi- like it went viral for then, which means like four million people watched it in two days, and it became like Apple's like single of the week today. That like wow. Wow. today like like one makeup vlogger gets it, but like you know, in 20 minutes gets 4 million views, but like, it was so sick. And all of us got like, they got signed to like a pretty big label and did like a, like a couple of like eighties covers for like the take me home tonight movie. Wow. That was the dream. There was a day, man. I I know some people, some of them have dropped out of comedy, but you know, they, they, they were making sketches early in YouTube and it would go viral. The next day they were on Ellen and uh, it was just like yeah. the wild success that you could have with a viral video. Dude, I loved those. You remember Britannic? Oh, I yeah. love, I yeah. love Britannic. They both, they both come to the show in the past week. And I'm obsessed. I was obsessed with them in college. Obsessed. And obsessed. Now they're like, they're the best. I love them. I went to NYU and these guys were just graduated NYU kids. Everybody looked up to them. Donald Glover would like was in some of their sketches and like Rami Youssef and like, you're right. A viral sketch. Occasionally someone would have a viral sketch and they would, although it's like, it's a, some people had viral, like Rachel Bloom had viral sketches. She did a viral sketch called, uh, fuck me, Ray Bradbury. That like, yeah, really, that launched her career a little bit. And, and some people did a viral sketch and wound up working for a semester of college humor. And that was it. And now they work in real estate, you know? Sure. And they're probably happier than all the rest of us. Now, tell me, though, because so I'm very envious of people who went to NYU. I've always have been now because this is the downside, though. Tell me. Tell me the the bad parts of other than the fact I get it's expensive. Obviously, you were working at Penn Station, you know. Also, I was too busy trying to find uh my people and my jobs to actually enjoy i managed to graduate nyu a virgin like i went to college in a water park and walked out dry like i essentially like it legitimately was uh i met wonderful people there and dated a couple of wonderful people but like i was a solidly socially quiet um inveterate like, like when everyone else was dating, I was like exploring abandoned mental hospitals and like, you know, uh, I, I was like, but no I one crazy like, enough to fuck you. Apparently I, no one that's such a, were great there, one. were there close calls or no, just, just yeah, there real were close, Whew, close call. Oh my God. My, there, were, there were a couple, you mean in the mental hospital? Or no, no, the, no. Like, no, 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 no. Having I know sex. what you meant. I know what you meant. Well, I know what you well meant. was it because you were with like other Orthodox? Like, were you still, like Tova talks to me a yeah. lot about uh, the, the, she has a joke, something about her college a, a, a smorgasbord of dry humping that there was a lot of dry humping. Cause there was a lot mm. of Chabad Orthodox, not sure. Are they fucking yet? Was it because of that? It was, there was some of that. Yeah, definitely. There was definitely some of that. I was like holding on. Also, like I still hold on a little bit to like, even once I started sleeping with people, like casual sex was never like really my thing. And like, I've been very, you know, I was very like, it's so funny because there was someone who was, who once was like, you know, you're being nice to me. It fit and, and their, and their boyfriend was like, you're clearly trying to sleep with her. And I was like, bro, no, like I haven't slept with 
and like like trust me like this is not how it's like this is, i love I've that got, defense I'm, yo i'm not hitting on her dude i've i have never I've, i don't have sex I've, but i have to, to paraphrase robert frost here i have miles to go before i sleep like trust me trust me and when i say that i have no designs on your girlfriend but like and by the way this is re this is like this is recent like i i had i had lost my this is a couple of years ago. I had lost my virginity, but it's just like when you're raised Orthodox, like you sort of walk around the world a little bit differently. Like you're, you what know, are their views on sex? I mean, is it, is it similar to marriage? Wait till marriage or is it a little different? No, it's not wait till marriage. Wait until there's like an emotional connection that's feels worth, that feels worth like, oh like God. for I'd still me, be a virgin. It's a long tagline. That's really funny. Yeah, exactly. For me, it's for me, it's one of those things where like it's extremely old fashioned. Sex is very like sex is very much tied to emotion, which is not a great approach for like society in general. Like people should be a lot should be able to have sex without like investing in it uh, emotionally. Like, but um, but yeah, I don't. You know, my girlfriend, my current girlfriend, who's absolutely wonderful, like we didn't sit together for a very long time until like we had, we at some point, I think she was like, what's going on here? You well, know? Yeah, how are we talking six months? We're talking six months, baby. Damn. But, like, but, but to be fair, I was on tour for, uh, for like three of those months. So over. you're fucking other people. That's good. Uh, no, but I dated, I date, I was like, we weren't together yet. And I had date gone on dates with some other people, but those, even those other people were like, what's going on? Like you're like, cause I was in London and I was doing shows in other places. And I went on a couple of dates in London with like, with this girl. And she was like, what, what, like, why, you know, why is something wrong with me? And I was like, no, no, no. It's just a long, complicated, something that's wrong with me, you know, like. So it's a very. I, I know what you mean. I was. I've never been a super big casual. I once went during. I was single for a long time. I remember one date. We were at like a bar. We were eating dinner, drinking, and finally she got so fed up. She put my hand on her leg and was like, "There you go. There you go." Like she was teaching me how to move to the next level because I was just. But I don't know if it's because I just think I was like very much like don't not until there's a clear sign. Clear sign. Not until she picks up my hand and puts it there herself. Yeah. Also makes you realize, like, not to sound like whatever, but it makes you realize how badly women are treated in general. Because there are a couple of women I've met who are like, do you want to sleep with me? Because you're very nice to me. And I'm like, oh, no, I have no, I do not view you as a sexual object in any sort of way. Because I'm sure they like that. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. For me, like it's a bit, it's one of those things where like I've never said this out loud, but I've always like thought of it as sort of like a blood type. Like sometimes I'll see someone who's like so gorgeous, and I'll be like, "That's great, but that's not my blood type." Like my blood type is like you know is like a little bit cold, and someone who I've gotten to know over like many years, and they were mm. friends, and then I'm like, "Hey, listen, you know, like like." this is a, a thing. And so there's like, I don't know, like it's, or oh, by the way, I've had a couple of like, I've had a couple of like shorter things with, with people who I hadn't known for that long, but like they were things were right away. I was comfortable and we we're both on like the same wavelength. And it was very like um, clear, like Orthodox Judaism 
makes you grow up in a very different way. And like, and like sexual, like I have friends who are my age who are virgins. Like I have friends who are 32 who are not married and they're virgins. And like, I don't think it gives them after a while I needed to get rid of it. It felt like a backpack. I was carrying everywhere. I was like, I need to get rid of this. How old were you? If you don't mind me asking, did you 23 23. and was 23 or 24? I can't remember. Was the person you lost it with a virgin as well or no? No, no. This person was, this person had. had <laughs> hey. oh, we no, started no. with I'm the sex swing no, the first time. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying no in any judgmental way, but I think she was like divorced. Like I think this person. Oh, wow. Okay. Like a, like, like had, had gone around, gone around <laughs> the emotional, emotional roller coaster a couple of times. I, like, if there's one wow. regret I have my first, I mean, it's not a regret. It's not, you can't control these things. My first, I was not her first. And there's sometimes I'm like, oh, that's that seems really nice that people's first are together. That seems, I mean, maybe it's terrible. Look, I've never, for me, it's the sort of beggars choosers paradox. I'm not going to be like, <laughs> well, listen. Um, the person was was not super nice to me, um, but there, but like, that's, that is okay. We are like, I'm on good terms with like pretty much everyone I've ever dated with one. I'm on really good terms with everyone I've ever dated. Everyone? I hear people say that and I go, everyone. I mean, there's one person who um, doesn't like me, but we didn't date. We had like, uh, we had like a thing where I was like not into it and I think let them know. But like Mm. there was um, anyone, I've only been in like four four or five relationships period and all of those people are like lovely people who i could still call wait so you're first you're 23 they are a divorcee they have Mm. they have slept around the world were you i know i'm joking i'm joking i'm joking they're very nice they're just they're just not raised orthodox i lost mine at 18 russell you've never said the age you don't have to if you don't want to you could lie if you want um I will say it was it was it was around uh, college. Okay, great. Trying uh, to protect the the innocent. To protect the innocent. <laughs> uh, were you were you stressed? Did you feel capable? Did you know what you were doing? I mean, I think people. It's not that hard to figure it out after a couple times, but the first go round could be tough. Oh, I. There was a time when I was in college that I wanted to, but couldn't. There was a time that I really wanted to, but couldn't. And also, I had never, I couldn't make it work. And I was like, oh, it's broken. Like, sure, sure. I I never heard of that. I never heard of it, not because there was no sex. Like, I never heard of it, like, not working. I was like, it's it's so much pressure the first time. Like, you're like, you build it up in your mind and you've never done it. And, it, well, that, it really is like a lot of pressure. I Alex, feel like that's what happened to me. This is why I think I'm Jewish emotionally, where uh, this is what there's my first person uh, for the first couple times. I, uh, you know, I finished too fast and uh, she, I could tell she was annoyed. And then like that couldn't couldn't stopped working. And I freaked out. I was fucking 18. It compounds every. It compounds oh, everything. Sure. And I didn't. And I didn't. I wasn't in therapy. I didn't understand anxiety. And I went. I had my so awkward. I had to get my mom to make me see a urologist. And he told me 
uh, uh, he said, "You need a, what you need is a new girlfriend," which is very. Doctors should not say that. You can't. Doctor. Doctors should not say that. But that's what he said. I told him all my problems, and he said, "What you need is a new girlfriend." No, he's wrong. He's well, wrong. I disagree. I think he was right, but I still don't think a doctor should. It was for different reasons, not just for sex. Uh, but sex uh, is complicated and terrifying, and and young people in particular, it's like it's one of those things where I don't know. It's so funny though, because sometimes I've been in relationships, and my girlfriend would be like, "Do you want to sleep with that person?" and I can't explain to like out of jealousy they'll be like do you want to sleep with that person mm-hmm. and i can't explain like no that's not how this like it's one in every thousand people ten thousand people that i could even possibly think of like making it work with like no i i can't sleep with that person like it won't it wouldn't work for me like i have this thing where no like, no, it's not going to happen. So, but it, you can't, I can't be like, sweetie, you're the only yeah. person that I'm attracted yeah. to for this, for this window of time. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the most romantic thing to say to somebody. So how, how do you look on it now? I mean, do, do, the, the, the way you view sex informed, obviously, by being raised Orthodox, if you have kids, do you want them to be a part of this? I want them to have a healthier upbringing around sex. Like I didn't have sex with also i had a horrific fear of stds which i never never got one i got tested at the beginning of this relationship just to check and the doctor was like you have nothing he's like the stuff that like 80 percent of people have like you don't have that like if you told me you don't even have hpv nothing he's (laughs) like i wouldn't believe that you have never had sex before he's like he's like you have a couple of like you might be at like slightly higher risk for kidney stones because of like X, Y, or Z, but he's like, you have legitimately, he's like. <laughs> I love this doctor's like, are you an Orthodox Jew? The because doctor was literally like, we sent back your, like, we sent all your tests that came back Amish. Like you're, you're. <laughs> he's like blowing dust off your sample. Like, just yeah, like yeah. there is nothing, nothing has touched this. He's like, hey, uh, we looked at your. Uh, we look at your at your test, and it is very into Dungeons and Dragons. Like this, <laughs> well, is, I don't know. I want my kids to be raised with a healthy mindset around sex. I want them to be able to um, enjoy sex. I want them to. Um, it's so weird to be like my hypothetical kids. I want to. This is how I want them to think about fucking. But like, well, that's what's just, hard. We're so. Our whole society is repressed, and I, I think it's very hard to carve out a healthy sexual attitude within a government societal framework that's unhealthy. It's just tough. I, w- I will say that I think that there are certain things that I'm glad that I've – I mean, like I've protected myself in some ways emotionally, which is that you know I haven't slept with people that would eventually uh, hurt me, but that's like maybe I shouldn't have attached – too much uh, meaning to that. I my theory is just sex is it's such a it's a vile, a sinful act. And if you're really attracted to someone, it, your 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 attraction overcomes the disgusting nature of what you're doing. So like I just remember like I remember once I made out with someone in in high school and like we were just doing it to like do it. we were just hanging out that we were bored. And I just remember like we just eating Chinese food and I can still smell the 
It's the Kung Pao chicken on her breath. And it's not that I haven't made out with women who just say Kung Pao chicken, but I wasn't into it. And so I wasn't attracted enough to overcome that smell. So that's all it was to me was just, ugh. It's, it's all so complicated. Like it really is. Like it's a, and a lot of the blame is around um, how the sex is contextualized for young people and also the, bad actors who not bad actors in like, you know, like uh Gary Busey. I mean, just like bad actors, <laughs> even, like people who, who do bad, who of bad, course people do bad things. Like, you know, I, and- I just don't know if like there, there are times that look, I've, I don't have any religious uh, of values per se, but there's times that I'm like, well, I get why there was this, like, just find one person. It makes everything more easier. Like, there's this idea that, well, we've we've solved it. At least our generation. We're like, well, we're going to be poly and open and all these things and be more talking. And I'm like, there's going to be some problems. I can't tell you the number of people I know who got into open relationships. They were like, we're in an open relationship now. And then immediately broke up. Or they were open, sure. but they never acted on it. And I was like, well, maybe, maybe that's not... I don't know. There's just this idea that, well, this is right. And I don't know. You if think religions true. just found, did the monogamy thing because it was easy mathematically? No, I, I think like, religion. I think religion did the monogamy thing because I think nuclear families were really important in a certain moment in time in a certain place, and they mandated it for that security, and it worked for a while, and so people really invested in that. Like new, like religions mandating nuclear family isn't just Judeo-Christian; it's like in other other religions have also like that thing. And by the way, it has staying power. Like the nuclear family has its faults, but it's worked in many ways. So like, I just think that like, I I mean, the thing about having one person is like, I do feel like with my girlfriend, um, I have like a really strong uh, relationship that gets stronger because like I can sort of uh, like I'm talking about things now that I would never have talked about six months. And by the way, there's stuff I'm not talking about that I'm like not comfortable talking about. Of course. So like, but like my, I think having one person who has your back, who you feel like a little more secure with, like there is something about for me, for me, maybe it's just for me, the strength of that one person on that one-on-one bond is like, uh, is very, um, very like reassuring and comforting. Like I really like that about my, about my one-on-one. Thing. How long have you guys been together? Uh, we started dating in uh, like end of 2019, and, but we were like official in like early June of 2020, obviously because yeah. we, you know, because of the pan, because of the pandemic. So I June just, of 2020. I told and I have been together a little over a year, but, and I know people joke about it a lot, but like that pandemic year, I mean, it counts. It counts for three. I mean, it, we we spent. Oh, dear, so you're like much. in with that just one person forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I've been together longer than my grandparents were together. I mean, it's <laughs> we're we're like an old couple. <laughs> you're just like, hey, do you wanna? And they're like, yeah. And they're like, I'll go get. I'll go get. Yeah, go get it. And they're like, like you're finishing each other's thoughts. Like you just and you know. and we're, I'm 33. Uh, she, uh, she's 30. And we have been like 
both she's had two grandparents die my dad had an open heart surgery my grandpa died they really were at this age where like life comes at you fast and we're just there for each other's like big life things again and again and again let's go on to our next section uh this has got to stop this has got to stop this has got to stop uh uh alex uh do you have a this has got to stop for us um yeah um i think what has to stop is the i don't know who needs to hear this tweets Mm. um anyone who ever tweets i don't know who needs to hear this you're smug and uh you're you're not an authority you're on twitter which is a website that diminishes us by its very existence and the fact that we're on it is disgraceful and no one has ever changed their mind because they read a i don't know who needs to hear this tweet and they're like oh my god it was me i needed to hear that i should get vaccinated like it's just the my least favorite thing about um about us about society in general and i mean this being my least favorite thing is that i think a lot of at least in terms of like discourse stuff is that people would rather be like right than effective yes and like i think that this is that the i don't know who needs to hear this tweets are the perfect encapsulation of people who would rather be right than effective because if i ever saw like i don't know who needs to hear this but like you should be eating more vegetables. Like I would never eat a vegetable ever again. Like, yeah, it just makes me so want to run in the other direction. Also, like it's never a good person. Like it's always like some gorgeous, it's always like a hot person with like, with like 31,000 followers. Like, fuck you. You don't, you're not an authority and you don't get to tell me what to do. This isn't a high school anymore. And you're not cool. Like leave me alone and like tweet shame shameful jokes like the rest of us yeah. i don't know who needs to hear this it needs to stop there definitely is a certain degree of like it's sometimes people they don't know how to help so let's say you want more people to get vaccinated I they don't want to help those people don't want to help well i do think sometimes people maybe like it or retweet it because there's a feeling this is with all politics on twitter there's a feeling of like i don't know how to help uh maybe if i just complain or call people stupid that'll help but it's like well no it's not it's it's all just playing social media game getting likes and retweets as opposed to i think sometimes you got to sit with yourself and go like there's nothing i can do about this right now or if you want to get more people vaccinated like you got to do something real you gotta i don't know work on uh, making vaccines more accessible or fund public education and it's a more long-term goal but like you can't you're not doing anything i said one of these and i was you know making it up for the joke where i was like i can't get my stepfather to get a vaccine i've tried everything i've called him a fucking idiot i've called him a moron like that none of that helps Sometimes it's too late. And I I think that's sure. a lot of Twitter is just like, I'm going to do something. Yeah. And you're not. Sure. But, but it, also just the framing of, I don't know who needs to hear this. Yes, you do know. You know who your audience is. You know who you're either making fun of or you're calling out or you're, you know, like, so it's just a eight words that just say whatever is going to be after the eight words. Do you know what I mean? Like, it just is a, a framing yeah. that is, that is it feels so shitty. You come across it and you're like, ugh. like, yeah, it's that thing. You were like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna ever read one of these and be like, Oh, I did. Yeah. I needed to hear that. You know, like, it's just, uh, it's just to be right. 
and it's I agree. It's like, I don't know who needs to hear this, but the Avengers is not a good movie. Like it's never a, yeah. it's never an unpopular opinion. It's always something that someone knows is going to do really well with their followers. And it gets tons of retweets. And by the way, like, I am guilty. Everyone is guilty of pandering. I, I was pulling up your Twitter and like the last 10 tweets are, I don't know who needs to hear this. Oh, that'd but. be hilarious. It would just, I think I tweeted the like that I'm angry at the, I don't know who, like it truly reached. Also, I don't like when, like there needs to be a list of things that people are no longer able to respond to with gifs of. Like in the mid 2010s, People on sitcoms, and by the way, I worked on a sitcom that was guilty of the this. The Great Outdoors, right? Worked on The Great Indoors. Sean Brown on and I went to college together. Sean Brown, he was one of the stars of it, right? That's a funny guy. Amazing. Uh, the Great Indoors on CBS. Oh, The Great Indoors, yes. I, I gotta, we're going to have him on the podcast. He, he was two years above me. Uh, Super funny. Uh, Miami, right? My University of Miami, yeah. Yeah. Biggest mistake of my great. life. Really, really talented, funny dude, so sharp, crushed every joke he was ever given, unbelievably consistent and thoughtful and elevated everything. Loved him. We occasionally gave a joke that was very popular but extremely lazy. And I don't know how many of them made it in because after a while we we're like, this joke is awful. But it's the word, it's the word hard pass or the phrase hard pass, right? And he was like, hard pass. Like, and now I see it from smug liberals oh. and conservatives on twitter when someone tweets a thing and everyone's like or someone's like watch the new louis ck special and then like whether or not you agree with that i really don't want to get Russell, into we, we know your views russell you don't need to weigh in but go ahead i <laughs> truly don't give a fuck but people underneath it tweeting like hard pass hard pass mm, it's gonna be a hard pass for me on that like f- like you fuck you it. you don't like, mind i hate i hate yikes Yikes! Or anyone I, tweets the gif like, like. But why it, we're so we're also I'm getting dragged on Twitter right now, and a whole thing happened to me. I made a, Larry a cur- David tweet. I made a Larry David tweet. It happened to go viral. People were so mad that then they looked at my pin tweet, which was my Comedy Central set, which I felt so proud of this year, and they tore it to fucking shreds. Now it's filled with that? replies. Listen, I understand. But it's it's I'm getting all these messages. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to do my blessing now just because it's part of this. My blessing is that one of the things when people call me uh, not funny, it does bother me. I can't help it. It bothers me. But you know what has never affected me? And I, I kind of feel like it's a glorious part of my upbringing. Being called gay doesn't even touch my soul. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't make me upset because unlike funny, I worry if I'm not funny. Sexuality is one of those things like I'm not worried at all. I, I, whatever I'm into, I'm into, you call me gay doesn't affect, and it's very nice when a troll does try to come out with you with something that you really don't care about at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish I could feel that way about being called not funny or being called a, a liberal pandery comedian. I wish, I wish I could feel that same security or that same, I don't give a fuck. As I do about being called gay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No Did you ever gets... get under your skin, Alex? You get any, any, any trolls? I'm a little bit gay, like you know, like I, you know, like I, I went on a couple dates, but you know, like I'm, it, it took me a while to like figure it out. Like I'm still trying to like figure it out. I have a joke on stage where I go, if I was raised sec, because I was raised Orthodox, like 
if I was raised secular in a cool place like LA or New York, I consider myself bisexual, but because I was raised Orthodox in a place like Boston, I consider myself straight with some secrets. Like it's a, <laughs> it's like a, so people are always like, you're gay. And I'm like, well, I'm not gay, but I have thought about sexuality as a spectrum. Like, like I'm so annoying about that. So like no one can ever hit me with anything I haven't. And also if anyone's ever like, you're not funny. I was in Madison, Wisconsin, a couple of weeks ago, getting uh-huh. the show ready at Comedy on State, one of the best clubs in the country. Never been to a place I've enjoyed as much as that with a couple of, I don't know. It was just a super amazing club. And, you know, they sell the club out with any, they could put a potato up there and it would sell out. That's how good the club is. Cause like I was selling out shows. And, um, and this uh, woman comes up to me after the show and she went, hi. Um, I just want to let you know that we didn't laugh once. Oh my God. And I was like, um, okay. And she was like, we thought you were not funny. And I was like, okay. And, and, and the, by the way, the bouncer was about to be like, whoa. And I was like, that's okay. Like she, you have a right to your opinion. And she was like, so why aren't you funny? And I was like, missed. You were in a club with 300 other people and they were, you know, they were enjoying it. And she just went, I'm a business owner. That was her. For some reason, she was like, I'm a business owner. I own three businesses. And I was like, okay. Like, okay. Miss, if you were, if, if you served 300 meals and one person was like, and 299 people were like, we love this meal. We're going to make noises throughout the meal to indicate how much we love it. And one person is like, I hate this meal. This meal's garbage. You wouldn't, you'd be like, you know, the problem is with the person eating the meal. The problem is not the meal. Like the, yeah. Well, you said like, all this remember, in the moment you were cool, calm and collected enough. I was cool. I actually said, I said, have you heard of picnic? And she said, what's picnic? I went, it's a tech term. It means problem in chair, not in computer. I was like, the problem is in the chair. It's not with the comedian. I was like, problem in chair, not in comedian. I was like, I was like, I appreciate you coming to the show. And, and I, she told me, it was a whole conversation. She was like, my favorite comics are, I, I'm gonna type it because I don't want to cast any aspersion on really funny comedians. <laughs> this woman is is so evil that 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 whoever she likes is bad. Okay, okay. well that second yeah. one everyone says. You know, I mean, they're different comedians. Okay, they're yeah. they're real yeah. comedians. And I was like, and here's the crazy thing. She went, well, we saw you on YouTube, and we didn't think any of those were funny, and but we thought maybe you'd be a good person. And I was like, well, this is a thousand percent your fault. Like you came to see like a thoughtful Jewish boy when. <laughs> When you like like edgy racism, like like you're gonna fucking oh that is so funny. That's if you. It's like you got to because sometimes I get these true. You know they'll say you know you suck at comedy or like sometimes you get these long ones. Someone's like you you can tell you're inexperienced. You need to work the road a couple years. And you when you get to you want to be like hey come see me. That's where I I get so angry. I'm filled with rage and I'm like come see me. I'm like come see me at the comedy cellar tonight you motherfucker but you got to like deal with like that kind of internet bald you're not funny in person it was a it was a you know and also like i i said to her i was like you fully have the right to express this opinion i was like you fully 
you are absolutely entitled to do this, just so you know. I was like, this is a thousand percent. I was like, but I was like, I do think it's a problem with you. I was like, this is because also, by the way, there's a French term called like the spirit of the staircase. Have you heard of that? No, no. The spirit of the staircase. I'm looking I'm, I'm, I'll tell you this. I'll be replying to all these trolls picnic. And when they say what, oh, I'll yeah, be like, picnic. sorry, it's a term we use in the tech world. Le spirit l'escalier, le spirit de l'escalier is a French term used in English for the predicament of thinking of the perfect reply too late. English speakers sometimes call this escalator wit or staircase wit. After wit is a synonym with forwit as an antonym, which is when you think of a perfect argument like 10 minutes after a argument is finished. Like you will find that after you've gotten 25 compliments, it's much easier to handle one person being like, you suck. Or you're like, well, there's a lot of people behind you waiting to compliment me. So tell me how much I suck. And oh, then I'm going to immediately. I wish my ratio was that yeah. nice. But uh, right now. It's... Oh, it's, it's the club. It's the club. It's the, oh, the club. If yeah, you perform yeah. a comedy on state in Madison, it's truly the greatest. That and uh, that and comedy works in Denver are really yeah. fucking solid clubs. And sure. Any other clubs and... that haven't booked me yet, please send me a full list. I uh, let's uh, <laughs> let's move to our, our final uh, you section. Better count your blessings. You better count your blessings. Uh, Russell, do you have a blessing? A quick one you want to give us? Yeah, quick one. Um, so I was exposed uh, a week ago to COVID, uh, testing negative still. But what I'm thankful for is that when I went to this event that I was exposed at, I saw this man and he seemed kind of chaotic and I just didn't really trust him. And it made me take a lot more precautions at the event. And um, I feel like I know a bunch of other people out there that were got COVID and I was double masked. And I was like, you no, know, it, it was just one of those things where I saw this guy and I was like, he seems, he just had a wild kind of chaotic energy. And I was like, I'm thankful for him now because I, I, I was like, maybe I'll be more casual. And then I was like, nope, double mask and keeping my distance from people. And because that man kind of scared me. So, um, so I'm thankful for him tonight to be COVID good. free still. Yeah. Um, okay. My blessing. I mean, other than being comfortable with being called gay, uh, I just got booked. Uh, uh, so I'll just use it. I, I'm going to be at the comedy cellar, Las Vegas, uh, next, oh. next, uh, next year. Um, and, uh, you know, it just feels, uh, it's going to be March 21st to March 27th if you're around, but, um, it just feels good. I feel happy. Very scary. Starting to work at the cellar, of course. And, uh, you know, I, I have felt, uh, uh, appreciated and, uh, still getting spots and coming towards the end of the year. I'm very happy about that. Hell and yeah. of course, an extra one for Tova who, who, who has, uh, let me perform at the cellar for our anniversary and many other dates that uh, a, a, a good human being would probably turn down. So thank you, Tova. That's so funny. That's so great. And uh, do you have a, a, a blessing to see us off, Alex? I keep a list on my fridge. One second. Are you serious? Oh. Yeah, I do. I keep a list. That's lovely. I'm grateful for. One second. Mm. Let's see. There's Gary Goldman, by the way. I'm grateful for Gary. Let's mm -hmm. see. Um. <laughs> Uh, grateful because it's a, uh, family. I have a family, uh -huh. general health for now. <laughs> Great. Um, 
oh, girlfriend's coming here soon. That needs to be canceled because of COVID. Um, uh, my Cherry Lane run, that... <laughs> you gotta make, you gotta edit this grateful list. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I got it. This is from four days ago. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, my run is, you know what? My run is being postponed as opposed to canceled, which is great because my friends yes. were in jagged little pill. Like, they're fucked. It's over. But my Cherry Lane run is resuming and we have, like, good reviews and people have been nice about it. So I have uh, friends who love me. Um, my brain works correctly, um, even if everything's a little bit weird up there. And uh, the last thing on the list is I can always change. So ah. that's great. I like that one. I can always change. And yeah. and at the bottom, I've scratched lots of books in apartments right now, exclamation point. Awesome. So I have a lot of books I haven't read. So I'm grateful for the for all the sappy shit that I just said and also uh, the books that I haven't read. Very so good. Um, uh, well, as we wrap up, is there anything you want to plug? Yeah, this run of shows. Um, the show is really, I'm really proud of it. It's called Just For Us. Um, I uh, did it in Melbourne and London and uh, Edinburgh and at Just For Laughs in Montreal. And now it's doing a run in New York uh, that's being produced by Mike Birbiglia. And um, we opened very strong and all the shows were sold out. And now we are um, taking a long break out of, it, out of an abundance of caution, which is so sad but also like super necessary and we're going to come back january 24th and run through february 19th at the cherry lane theater which is the most adorable theater and both of you guys have to come and hopefully everyone listening uh will come and tickets are in my like social media sites all over so are those tickets um, on sale now it, the new ones tickets are on sale right just for us show.com or right. my website alex comedy.com but yeah um Great. And Russell, we don't have any, there's no Uncle Function dates, but Uncle Function are yes, scheduled. Yes, there are. February, though. The second Friday February. of every month, right? Yes, second Friday of every month in February at Asylum at NYC. Great. Wow. And so February 11th, first show. And uh, for me, uh, uh, I will be headlining City Steam Brewery January 7th and 8th. Uh, those are the ones to be on the lookout for. Um, but just remember, even though all these dates are nice and fun, God knows what the next letter is in the Greek alphabet that will come to ruin all our plans and our lives. Come on, man. This come is on, the downside. One, two, three. Downside.